Hello, and welcome to the Numlock Podcast. I am Walt Hickey. Uh, this is a once-a-month podcast version of the Numlock Sunday edition. This week, the brilliant Alex Abbott-Santos joins me from Vox.com. Alex wrote a really great story that about the impacts that PED use has in Hollywood on its viewers. And his story, The Open Secret of Looking Like a Superhero, really peels back that facade. And he speaks all about how the pervasive steroids and hormone usages in the entertainment business, the pressures that push actors towards this, whether it's the demise of the mid-budget movie or the dominance of comic book movies, which kind of have this hyper-masculine ideal at the center of it. And uh, we also had the chance to talk about the X-Men, which is his favorite topic and one of mine. So it's a really great conversation, really great talk. Thank you so much to Alex for coming on, and I hope that you enjoy it. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Oh my god, thank you for having me. And oh my gosh, uh, this is the first time that we're seeing each other. I <laughs> I know it's weird. We've uh, again, I've been a fan of your work for a really long time, so it's great to, to finally get a chance to hang out. Yeah, and it's like, uh, it's yeah, I am a fan of yours too. I remember when you were at was it five thirty eight? That's the number, yeah, five thirty eight. <laughs> I always think of um I'm always like really bad with the number with remembering which one it is but I remember being <laughs> like, oh my gosh this makes my le- this makes my job so much easier uh when I when you when I can link a study on something about comic books and then yeah it's just very weird that we only are hanging out now yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to the ongoing SARS-CoV-2 pandemic but <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Blame, blame the pandemic, please. We'll do that. Um, you wrote a really, really fascinating story that talked that talked about a topic that I think like everybody kind of alludes to, but I hadn't really seen you know actual like reporting behind and hard data behind. You basically talked about steroids and, and HGH and testosterone use among movie stars. Um, what got you interested in the story? Okay, so I think one of the first things that got me interested was I was looking on my Instagram Explore page and I was just like, I was showing my friend at dinner and I was like, why am I having chicken nuggets? This guy looks like this. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like huge. His muscles were crazy. His his abs were nuts. Um, And then after that, my friend was just like, yo, he's on steroids. Like, (laughs) And I was like, oh, and there was just like, you know, like how everyone in Hollywood is. I'm like, oh, is everyone in Hollywood? And he was just like, basically like, yes. Like if you like, I mean, I don't want to get sued, but there's a lot of people out there. If you're in a, if you're in an action movie or if you're with your shirt off, um, that might not be getting those results naturally. And it's just like a lot of things. uh, A lot of those things are just like, no matter how much you're at the weight room, no matter what you're eating, uh, you're never going to look like that. And it's, that was it. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I should write a story about this. Yeah. I liked, uh, I liked the story a lot because particularly like there was a kind of part of where you were talking about like, listen, like there was never, there was a time in history where you never like, you may, you may have aspired to have the body of the movie stars, but they never were just like, Oh yeah, no, it's just like rest and exercise. But like now there's kind of this like, Oh, I have a meal plan. Oh, I have this kind of stuff. And they don't talk about um, their gear. Um, but so can you talk maybe a little bit about the cultural place of, of this now? Yeah. So I think like one of the things uh, that is super important is uh, 
and what doctors and researchers and whatever say is that everything's on social media now. And so it's just like, well, if this was like, it's so like inundated with all these images because it's not just like a movie that comes out every, like every three months or whatever. Um, it's just like, it's it people on Instagram are using it. There's like people around you are using it. And so I think that was kind of the impetus behind it of being like, okay, well, it's all around us. How is that? like messing with our own systems and messing with our own brains and like the whole idea of like if you look at wolverine in 2000 versus wolverine in 2014 and by that i mean you jackman and again nothing about no, no speculation about what you jackman looks like or what he did or whatever uh if you look at those two images it is absolutely nuts like the difference of like like how jacked he is, how thick he is, how small his waist is, like every vein is rippling and you're just like, whoa, when did this happen? And he's actually 14 years older in 2014, <laughs> <laughs> which makes no sense because that's uh, as science, as doctors say, science and scientists say, um, the older you get, the harder it should be for you to put muscle on. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, well, how are you getting that muscle? How are you maintaining that muscle? How how is everyone getting? How is everyone getting this like ratio? This like superhuman aesthetic? It's just not possible without some help. Yeah, and like you know, there's a health sacrifice that's made. You wrote about you know you included some health studies in there. One of them that stuck out was like the risk of heart disease increased yeah. not inconsiderably for for folks who who were taking uh performance enhancing substances yeah 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 <laughs> i think the craziest thing is that um when i was talking to people and i was talking to doctors i was just like oh yeah how do you study this and they're like we can't study it and i was like <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> and they were like alex think about it like you can't pump like volunteers full of steroids like it's to it like you can't you can't pump them full of steroids to an unsafe level which is like what bodybuilders what um, some actors, what everyone basically is on. Like you, you, you can't sign up for the super soldier serum. And like, <laughs> they were just like, it's actually medically unethical. And so I think like a lot of the things that they're studying now um, actually happens. It's, it's all by volunteers and uh, they study on animals too. But with, with those human volunteers is you have people like that were in the eighties and in the nineties who took it. And then now they're hitting, I guess, like middle age and like six and up to their 60s. And the crazy part is, is that now they're finding out like those people in their 60s actually might have like heart disease or like have these hardened arteries. And you think and they also might be uh, more susceptible to stroke. And it's hard to get that across to like someone who's young. Who is like, well, if I can become like an Instagram influencer and make a lot of money now, I don't care about heart disease when I'm 70. Like who who's to say there's even gonna be a world when there's when we're 70? Or who's <laughs> gonna say like uh there's heart dis like you could probably get a you might get a heart attack anyway. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard to justify to young people and young men especially. Uh yes, be careful about this thing that will happen in X years, maybe. Uh, which is very, very difficult to uh, very, very difficult for scientists to get the point across. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of that lately, I feel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Risk communication difficulties. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, um, yeah. I, I think uh, the, the craziest stat was or the, the scariest thing that someone told me was um, there's there was a 
there's a leading doctor over in Harvard and he was just like, yeah, it's kind of reminds me of just like what happened with, uh, with smoking and heart disease or smoking and lung cancer. And he was like, when, 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 uh, I guess at the, there was some point where they were just like, Oh yeah, that they're connected. (laughs) But then it was too late. And then there, all this stuff started coming in. And so he was kind of like, yeah, we're on like the crest of that. Oh boy. Uh, and and like, you know, it was also really interesting because legally these, these things are illegal. Um, people had mostly heard about them through athletics, where they're understandably and justifiably banned because they can diminish the competition. There is no World Anti-Doping Agency of acting, and, and you kind of allude to that's one reason that this has been so pervasive. Yeah, it, it, acting is not professional baseball. <laughs> <laughs> um, no one is gonna, no one is going to stop you. Uh, there's no, I, I doubt that there is a drug test that's happening, and it's also like I think for a lot of people, or for not a lot of people, for the people who uh, whose livelihood depends on looking a certain way, like it's a it's a business decision, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, well, if you, like, if you're an, like, let's say you are an Instagram influencer, and you're not even, like, in a Marvel movie, but you're an Instagram influencer, and you're getting paid, like, whatever, $40,000 a post to post, uh, and you, and basically you're selling your body, and you want your body to look great, that is what you do, or that is what some of them do. I do not want to get you sued. I don't want to get sued. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly, that is what some of them do. We are talking about a percentage that is not one hundred percent, but is not zero percent of people who who are involved in the visual arts industry. Yes, it is. It is hypothetically. So it's just like you have like these industry, like basically for these people. Yeah, it's like it's an industry that is built on the way they look, and so to maximize that and to look the part, that's what happens. Yeah. In addition to diet, eating, exercise, all, all the things. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. It was. It's also interesting because again, like you know, this isn't a vacuum. You. You. This is aspirational, and it has like you wrote a little bit in the piece about the increase in whether it's supplemental hormonal, uh, you know, prescriptions or whether it's uh, actual, you know, performance enhancing drugs that are legal. Uh, that that those have seen a little bit of a surge in popularity as well, potentially pushed by this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think you and I have probably seen low T centers. Yes, no, totally. <laughs> I am a man who is age 30, and therefore I have been advertised this relentlessly on every podcast I listen to for the past probably five years. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's, uh, and it's actually testosterone um, is monitored by the Olympics and whatever, and if it's too high, they will ban you from the Olympics. Uh, and so, yes, it is a testosterone is a performance enhancing drug. Uh, one of the things that I think is uh, a little bit shady is, and there was, there's probably needs to be a better investigation of this. I think CBS did a good one in 2019. I think COVID kind of derailed it, but it was like, who's getting these prescriptions? Because, <laughs> because like you go to these places and you get a prescription and it's just like, well, are you, do you actually have like low testosterone? Are you actually, or are you just like a normal man who is aging? Yeah. <laughs> and, it's uh i don't i mean from from that investigation they were just like yes i think there are a lot of people with normal levels who are getting these drugs and that cannot be good for you because like with any of these drugs it could just screw you up on the inside in so many ways yeah overuse and misuse when it comes to the endocrine system isn't always a fun one 
Yeah, you don't want to be like pumping yourself up with a lot of hormone. <laughs> like there's probably like you there. Yeah. Compared to like everything else we're putting in our bodies. Do you really want to add all that stuff and like be like, OK, well. <laughs> yeah. And like to be clear, like hormonal therapy is, is you know, a critical thing for a lot of folks, but they do it under the supervision of a doctor and not not kind of a pill mill. Right. Right. Like a lot of these, uh, that is where a lot of these drugs come from, is that they were used as part of like hormonal therapy under the supervision of doctors. Uh, the doses are are like scientifically and doctor, like they've gone through trials of these small doses and they use them. And um, and like some, I think like with the human growth hormone, it was like they started with children and children who didn't grow up and or didn't grow up, didn't get tall fast enough or aren't growing. Um, and then, yeah, if you talk to doctors, they're just like, yeah, no one with normal with normal levels of um, with hormones should be on these things because we don't know all that they can do to you. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, just to your point, like the difference in, you know, think of an action star in <laughs> 2001, maybe an X-Men movie of sorts, who can possibly <laughs> say, and then think of an action star. 14 to 15 years later and it's a completely different different type of look yeah i mean i mean to be honest and i feel like i am part of the problem like i will be like yes chris evans looks amazing because he does <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then and but then it's also like how much of that is realistic and nothing against chris evans i'm sure he does the diet the eating the whatever ruining his like basically ruining his social life to look a certain way um, I'm not accusing him of any PEDs or anything, just to be clear. But it's also like that is probably not attainable for the rest of us. Without PEDs. But, <laughs> well, well, just like just the simple fact that we don't have like chefs and trainers training us every day. But it's also just like, yeah, like, of course, like if someone finds out that someone might be on a PED and there have been actors who have been busted with PEDs before, um, they're going to look on the internet you're probably going to find some information out there and then you're going to seek it out and then you have like the problem is it's it's i think when we talk about like the community it's also like there's a lot of young boys out there who um who just see this and they're just like it's kind of like drilled into their heads like that this is what men are supposed to look like and that's led to this increase of what is called muscular dysmorphia and it's people feeling like they're too small that they're not big enough and so, yes, you will also see them resort to PEDs. And that also makes doctors and psychiatrists very, very nervous because you have like 11 year olds photoshopping their bodies. And I think I think it goes out saying like uh, women <laughs> traditionally, I think we the narrative around women and female celebrities has been like, yes, we, we talk about beauty and diets and whatnot. And it's been like almost to the opposite point that it's almost talked about too much right like yeah. with men it's just like oh well then it's all just hard work and it's just kind of like it's left in the dark whereas like women are like kind of like okay well this is the eating disorder this is xyz this is the surgeries with men it's always like oh well this is what men are supposed to look like and that that lack of transparency i think hurts us yeah, like the the magazine that presents body dysmorphia for women is called Cosmopolitan, and the one is called <laughs> Men's Health. Like, <laughs> there's an asymmetry in 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 what is being proposed there, you know? Right. Like it, it's it's a very strange thing that like 
the women what women achieve to look impossible is all artificial all fake whereas with men who looking who look impossible or look who have these impossible gains it's all just hard work it's all hard work and chicken fries god so, yeah just rice and chicken i don't know what to tell you but uh, i mean i love rice i love chicken i do not look like that <laughs> <laughs> um I kind of so I want to back out a little bit just because again uh, it's it's delighted to have you on and uh, specifically it would be a crime to have you on and not talk about X Men comic book movies things like that so I guess like you know these one of the motivations potentially for this is that you've gone from action movies being like Con Air and you know random you know shoot 'em ups right. to being comic book movies which are pulled directly from a source material that has aspirational forms I guess how much of that do you think plays into it I mean like when you think about like Okay, so there's a whole bigger story of like how the movie business, um, or I, I mean, you cover this and you probably know this, and uh, the whole idea of like a mid budget movie is gone. And the only way to make mo- like studios make movies is just to just mine IP, uh, come out with action movies, make sequels to those action movies, and just keep this like, like keep these cinematic universes spinning right like it's like the only movies that make a ton of money now are the action movies and it's just like obviously every studio wants an action movie and so i think like one of the things is is that the actors and actresses too who are the centers of these movies or who want to get big you have to look the part right like it's like you if you want to make if you want to become a star in hollywood you have to be in a Marvel movie like Chris Pratt. Like, look at Chris Pratt. Yeah. Yeah. He went from, like, you know, a fluffy, fun comedian guy to, like, just, you know, he looks hard now. It's, it's yeah, difficult. Yeah. And it's, like, this whole idea of this aesthetic is, is tied to, like, it's not, like, absolutely wed to this. But it's I'm sure it's influenced by this. Yes, action movies are everywhere now. They're the only movies that people go to the movie theaters for. Um, everyone wants to look bigger, bolder, badder, crazier. Like there was, um, did you see like Vin Diesel? I, <laughs> Vin Diesel's, he sent out an olive branch to uh, The Rock the other Is that day. What we're calling that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> no, it was like, hey, let's uh, let's let's squash the beef and come back for <laughs> for fantasy or for fantasy for Fast and Furious Ten, right? Yeah. There was something um, interesting about the photograph, though. Would you like to get into that? Yeah, no. Well, it was also uh, someone was like, "Yeah, did Vin Diesel Photoshop himself to look bigger than The Rock?" <laughs> <laughs> and like people were like, "Question mark, question mark, question mark." What is happening? And I mean, again, not nothing against Vin Diesel. We're not speculating here, but that is just a very funny thing that happens in this climate of everything is an action movie now, or the movie business is an action star movie like action star business yeah and and, like not to bring him up a third time but i just think that his career is really interesting in this regard where like hugh jackman the minute that he didn't have to stop making comic book movies he made a musical and then he had fun (laughs) and like you can tell that like there were just a lot of career pressures on on folks within the industry to who are trying to remain in it to to you know just get huge yeah i mean I think with Hugh Jackman, he it's like the he's like the easiest, I guess, example of like what the aesthetic looks like, just because he was there at the very beginning. And yes, he, and at the very beginning, it was like, oh, he's hot. Like, yeah, <laughs> they were like, oh, Wolverine's so hot. Look at Wolverine. And then like fifteen years, fifteen years later, it's like Wolverine is like fifty years old, still hot, hotter than he was. His body is better than he was. 
Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a little nuts because that's not the way it's supposed to work. But yes. At least we didn't have to like pump Sir Ian McKellen full of gas in order to like <laughs> get the Magneto of the comic books, right? I mean, in the reboot, who knows what will happen if there's a reboot, if there's a, H- if there's a House of X reboot. And Magneto is now daddy uh, <laughs> <laughs> and is in various like Magneto now in comic books is always like shirtless or like in a robe and his pecs are crazy. <laughs> and maybe, Got interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who who knows? Who knows what will happen when the X-Men finally make it? And if they make Magneto as big as he's supposed to be in the comic books. Yeah. Uh, I guess. I mean, screw it. Let's talk about this. <laughs> like uh, you've been following the X-Men for a very long time. They are you know your favorite character you are if anything the dean of x twitter and a lot of different no, no 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 you, you don't like that connor goldsmith i will not <laughs> i am just like an assistant professor an assistant who... professor of x-men excellent yeah. um so clearly there's been a lot of speculation about them and the mcu do you kind of want to talk a little bit about the journey that they've kind of had and, and kind of what's been maybe drawing your eye in the books or anything like that oh my gosh do we have like 17 hours to talk yeah, about screw it. We'll go. <laughs> I mean, you know how it is. It's just like X-Men were, because of the way the film rights were divided, X-Men went to Fox, uh, Marvel kept Marvel, and then, yes, basically X-Men movies made a ton of movies, or X-Men movies made a ton of money for Fox. Fox kept mining that IP. Finally, they're all back together with the acquisition, and everyone's just like, well, can we get the X-Men movie? And, And to me, I think like, as someone who sees this from like, okay, well, it's part of my job to figure out like what the schedule looks like and what's happening. It just seems like there's like no space for the X-Men in the next like five years. It seems like it's going to be a minute. It seems like we got a, an Eternals <laughs> movie before we got an X-Men movie. <laughs> oh, the Eternals. I mean, we also got, remember we got the Inhumans before the X-Men and it was just like, ooh. I've told, so I've told the story once or twice before. I forget if you've, if you know it. But so when I was at ABC, I was doing mm-hmm. a show occasionally talking yeah. to people who work with Marvel to, for the Marvel adaptations. Right. And one week after we're doing this for like two years, they pulled me aside and I'm like, listen, hey, we might have an actual show here. You might be doing the after show. You might be the uh, the after show host for a new show that's coming out. And I'm like, wow, that's really amazing. They're like, yeah, it's called The Inhumans. It's coming out on Friday night to ABC. And then I think that they got the pilot in. And then they pulled me something like, actually, hey, we're not doing this. We, we, we're not doing the show anymore. Uh, and so that was my big break that did not materialize. But, um, but I yeah. Mean, I don't understand why you have like an Inhumans. Okay, for anyone that's read the comic books, there is a central figure named Medusa whose magic, well, whose power is she has like very strong hair that also is sentient and she can control it. And then in the very first episode or something, right? Like they, they shave her head. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what are you doing? Well, in doing so, they remove the entire CGI budget that had been allocated for hair <laughs> and shift it slightly over into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, X-Men, I think, I think what the part what makes me want to see X Men come to life is because in the last, I think, ooh, I want to say like three years, three years, four years, um, maybe even two years. It's, I I don't know. The pandemic has ruined my sense of time. But like, <laughs> um, House of X came out with Hickman writing and uh, Hickman and a lot of writers and a lot of artists and i don't want to forget any of their names but um yes it was kind of masterminded by hickman and he he basically 
I guess, rebooted, rejiggered, re just reestablished the X-Men in a way that I think was very, very smart. And For folks who might not know about Hickman, he was kind of the architect of to, like he, he ran the Fantastic Four books for a while and did a really incredible job with those. Those are some of my favorite comics. Uh, mm. Then he ran the Avengers for, I want to say, three or four years and, and completely kind of overhauled the Marvel Universe in a way that people actually kind of liked, which is usually not a thing that, that is said after somebody completely does that. Right. And they toss him the keys to X, and it, this is the run that you're talking about. Yeah. So basically, he he's coming off of the... <laughs> he came off of Secret Wars, which basically uh, just revamped the entire universe. Um and was like, okay, well, we're reestablishing that. So here, have a go at X-Men. <laughs> and uh, for those who don't know, the idea is um, the X-Men are, or the, the, the revamp is pegged to this woman and character, a beloved character named Moira McTaggart. Uh, we find out that she is a mutant. And every time she dies, she basically restarts the timeline. And uh, she's been doing this the entire time. And when she restarts the timeline, she also carries with her the knowledge of the previous timelines. And so basically, she's just like, hey, Professor X, uh, everything's going to go sideways. Everyone's going to get fucked up. This is what we got to do. We got to make a mutant utopia and we're going to make a like we're going to like create a community on a sentient island and it's going to be great. And this is how we advance the mutant race. Did I get that right? Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's about right. Yeah, I would say that you did a fantastic job for about three minutes. <laughs> like, um, but I mean, it's X Men and they're messy, and everything happens. Everything in between, everything goes like, of course, like all the politics are crazy because it's just like Magneto and Professor X have very different views about like how mutants should be. Emma Frost has very different views about how like how mutants should uh, conduct themselves with humans, and um, but yeah, basically the mutants are like, well you're gonna <laughs> we ascended to a higher plane we are awesome you can't fuck with us anymore uh here's some they basically buy off the u.s like the entire world's governments with like medicines and are just like now you're dependent on us we're the superior race uh you're only here because we, we allow it uh please don't try and fuck with us because we will kill you um and so yeah so they were just like basically they were just like coexisting isn't an option because you guys always try and fuck us up and kill us so we're just going to take that out of the equation now that we know now that we know how everything's going to play out we're going to take that out of the equation yeah and you know there's been speculation because hickman's work kind of lends itself well cinematically that this could be the way that they take the x-men next oh my gosh i mean it, it could be <laughs> hopefully i'm like still alive and the earth is still here when this happens because like i said uh the disney the disney marvel schedule of everything that is coming out it's it's like every three years they do one of these uh conferences and they're always like this is coming out and this is coming out and this is coming out and it's just like they did one today and like Agatha Harkness is, has, has her own show and like they're rebooting the X-Men or they're continuing the X-Men animated versions. And uh, there's just so much coming out at this point. And you're just like, well, if anyone who's doing math about like, well, there should be like two or three movies a year. Uh, we're pretty stacked until like 2025. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's like between all the sequels that are coming out. Um, we we are very very busy until 2025 and i but i do want to see the x-men because i feel like those are the characters that i don't know i just love them i love i i grew up i grew up reading them 
I mean, yeah, I I watch a television show all the time, and it's it'd be just be nice to have them get the same kind of treatment that the Avengers have gotten. Yeah, they're they're fun. They're like they're heady. They they you know they they're, they're kind of like the thing that's like I think a little cursed about it at times is like you know when Marvel was going out of business in the early nineties, the things that they sold were the things that were the most culturally significant, namely the X Men, Spider Man, Hulk, and. Yeah. Those were, you know, those are some of the best stories, somewhat notoriously, you know, the Claremont run is, is really great. Like those are, there's a really deep reservoir there, which is one reason that it was so attractive for acquisition. But that's also the exact same thing that's kind of kept them off the board, you know, potentially for the next couple of years. Yeah. And it's also like without, if let, let's say hypothetically, like it, like you would see like if, if, if Marvel was, if Marvel still had the X-Men, I don't think you would ever see like an Avengers movie. Like you would never oh. see like a Scarlet Witch like miniseries because they would just it would kind of fall in that pattern of just like let's just like uh keep releasing X-Men movies that don't really go like it's just like we'll keep releasing these trilogies to go around in a circle so cuz they make a ton of money, right? <laughs> yeah. If you did have a Scarlet Witch miniseries, it would be a spin-off of your Magneto miniseries. <laughs> yeah. And then but it's like also uh it's also like that forced Marvel to do this entire cinematic universe. They were just like, they basically, I mean, people don't know that like the, or people, <laughs> casual fans don't know that the Avengers were basically the B team. Oh yeah. Like they, they were such a B team. I was in, you know, I'm not going to get into spoilers for Eternals, but I was watching the movie with a few friends and then one of them was just like, oh, who is this character? Uh, who is revealed to be of a character for some point. It's like, oh, that's like an F-list character in a D-list movie. Like, like it's just like, <laughs> what, the, what they're dealing with is, is remarkable. And like, what they're getting out of it is great. Because again, like, Chloe Zhao is a really great director and things like that. But like, it is just wild that like, oh yeah, no, like the X-Men are the A-team and have been the A-team since the 80s. And then by, you know, a twist of, of intellectual property ownership fate, <laughs> all of a yeah. sudden they're on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even, yeah, like if you look at like, the comic book sales from like the 80s and 90s it was just like like they were you could not you could you could basically like you could have come out with a a title that was like ex grandmas and it it would be like the number it would be like a top 10 bestseller because like people could not get enough of the x-men and it's just like uh yeah it's just like now we're getting eternals and they're probably an eternal spinoff before we get to see Storm and Professor X and Emma Frost and all my favorite characters just like be goofy on <laughs> be goofy in the MCU. Yeah, it is because again, like it's it's almost like the Avengers weren't even the B team. The B team was X Force. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we were like we we are being very generous to the Avengers by right? calling them like the JV or B team because <laughs> like there was like Excalibur, X Factor, <laughs> X Force. I forgot extremes probably like there was like there was an X-Men blue team and X-Men gold team. There was literally it was literally all like every every X comic was a top 10 in like the 90s. Yeah. Well, and then here we are now. Um, so I guess yeah. just kind of wrapping it up. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. This has been really great. Uh, I love the story. I love your work in general. It's great to talk about X-Men with you for a few minutes. And yeah, oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Wait, I want to know who your favorite X-Men character is. Good question. 
I so like when I wa- I was introduced to the, them through the movies and I was like, oh yeah, this pyro guy and this Iceman guy, they must be the big rivals in the comic, and then they're not. Um, the answer is obviously Magneto. I think that Magneto is the greatest character ever made, and uh, I think he makes a lot of valid points a lot of the time. And I think that it is just a really cool character. And I know that he's not an X Men technically, but uh, I mean and- he is. I mean, yes. yeah. In the new, in the new, I guess, like uh, in the new world. There are ba- are basically like no X Men. Everyone's just a mutant. They domesticated my boy. He's a Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So I'm not taking <laughs> over an entity. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you uh, are you uh, Emma Frost? Is that right? Um, Emma Frost. Emma Frost was always right. If you if you look at every comic, <laughs> Emma Frost is always right. Emma Frost. The world would be a better place if you just put Emma Frost in charge. If she'd be like, you know what? We do, we 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 could have just like completely sky, like sidestep yep. the, the the decimation of the mutant race if you just listen to me i actually think that that's a i think that we're both right i think that emma frost was always right but Magne- magneto did make some valid points and <laughs> magneto makes all the points magneto, <laughs> I mean, yeah I, I think like especially now like as like in when you think about like the political climate and like the way and like what magneto says you're just like you know what Yes, <laughs> with the way things are going and what we've seen so far, I think the older you get, the, you're like, yeah, you know what? He he was probably right about this. He was probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, Alex, where can folks find you? Oh, you can find me on, at Vox with the V-O-X, uh, Vox.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter, but I'm usually just making dumb jokes. I think Twitter is kind of a hellscape for everyone. I think you should just be making jokes on Twitter and that should be it. Um, and I'm also on <laughs> Instagram, but that's just like really weird shirtless content. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so yes, Vox.com, find me on Twitter. Uh, if you want to see shirtless content and you're a homo, come visit my instagram it's it's free for everyone all right that's that's it that's the plugs that we're looking for thank you thank you thank you so much to alex for coming on i really love his work you should read it at fox.com whenever you can and follow him on social media um thanks for listening if you enjoy this toss us a review and i really appreciate you reading numlock thanks bye